0: This weekend, the next big stage of the Marvel Universe is set. We got the release of Captain Marvel coming out. What are your excitement levels?
1: Well, I'm excited that I still have that free readmission from the power going out when I went to go see the fighting for my family. Is it fighting fighting for or fighting with my family? Fighting with my family. And so I have plans to go see it. I'm just not seeing it opening weekend. Mm. So I'll probably see it maybe on a weeknight after the opening weekend or the weekend after that. But, yeah, I'm super excited for it. It's I haven't gone to see – I didn't go to see Ant-Man and Wasp in theaters, so it's been a while since I've you know hit the big screen with the MCU. Uh, but I think with the lead-up to that and Infinity War Endgame, I think I'm super excited for it, especially to see how her story jumps into the present day now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's actually funny that you, you mentioned the timing because for a while it felt like superhero overkill, right? Oh, there's movies coming out. Like, I feel like I haven't had a Marvel movie to go see like from the MCU in forever. I Like you, I did not see Ant-Man and Wasp. The last one I saw was Infinity War. I mean, it's been a, a year, essentially, mm-hmm. since you've seen one of those movies. I like Captain Marvel. I also think that Marvel's done a really good job whenever they have a movie that isn't a hero that we're used to seeing. You know, Ant-Man was great. Black Panther. Black Panther. So it's like, I'm, t- I'm totally into it. I'm going to try to see it opening weekend. But like you... You know, this does take place mostly in the past. Seeing it's all about
1: that. It's all about the '90s and blockbuster. (laughs)
0: And seeing how it's gonna like mold into whatever we get going into Infinity War is gonna be super interesting, especially Mm -hmm. if it's if it's a post-credit scene or whatever. But then it's,
1: it's probably gonna be a post-credit scene
0: it would only make sense and i can't wait to see like the introduction of if there's an, like her introduction to our other characters if we get that in the post-credit or if they save that for infinity war either way it's pretty important i feel like the movie before the avengers always plays a huge role in the avengers movie black panther before infinity war now captain marvel but so that's exciting news going down the pop culture world this weekend but let's get into the video game news in the episode welcome everybody to episode 81 the Mirschlaf Shatan episode. No one gets that reference at all unless you like hockey. I am one of your hosts, John Conti, joined as always by
1: CJ Schumer on the other end. Happy as always to be here with you, John, or if you just live in Buffalo and you just hear this, these quips for decades.
0: Yeah, so the guy's name was Shatan, but it was spelled Satan. So that's funny. He wore number 81. That doesn't matter. We played some games this week. Let's jump into the week in review. I'm going to actually start because I'm excited to talk about the Division 2 beta. Let me tell you. You everyone. love this beta over the weekend. This is how you do a beta, Anthem. I don't. You, we're going to get to the Anthem. <laughs> the Anthem's got
1: a few things to worry about other than their betas, but go ahead.
0: We're going to get to that, but I, I know I spoke a couple weeks ago about playing the Anthem beta. I was like, yeah, this is fine, but I'm not sold, and I kind of started pushing everyone. I'm like, but guys, I'm telling you, Division's going to be good. Uh, Division 2 beta. So they give you three story missions to do. They give you the introduction to the game. They also, what I thought was super cool is when you finish the main bulk of the content, they actually will give you access to three maxed out characters and say, here, go play what would be an end game mission. Here's what the end game looks like. So they're showing you already. They're not just telling you, hey, there's going to be a lot to do. They're showing you, no, this is what is going to be available to you come the end of the game. Uh, I mean, it's more of the division. It's prettier, I will say that, because it takes place in warm weather and a more vibrant kind of setting in DC, not like the you know the grays and blacks of New York City in the winter. There's definitely a little bit more. Um, I don't want to say like happiness going on, but it's definitely more vibrant, more colorful, more lively. It doesn't
1: seem as chaotic as the first one.
0: Not in oh, well until you. Start it's it's in a different
1: way, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah the... The gameplay itself is a different story. The tone in general, I guess, is what I'm saying.
0: Definitely. So, yeah, and I thought the beta was great in the sense that there's a a large chunk of content. You get to fight different types of enemies, do different types of missions. Uh, The game is simplified for the better, I think. Uh, One of the big issues, I feel like, for the casual playing Division 1 was when you would have guns, they would have their damage rates and their rate of fire, and they would do like a little calculation for you and give you a damage, like a DPM, damage per minute type thing. And that would be really, it was just too many numbers for someone who's not used to playing. Now the games are simply, here is your damage. And then when you look at like armor items, here is the rating for armor. It's 51, it's 55. 55 is better, attach that, get on your way. So I think they've simplified things. I think it's still, you know, it is a large open world game in the sense that there are some of the mechanics could be a little smoother. But that just happens when you have an open world game. Look at, like, GTA, look at, you know, the shooting still feels tight. But sometimes the movement's a little clunky and all that. But I had a ton of fun playing with it. Squatted up, three people. Uh, you can do four this time around. I don't believe you could do four in Destiny 1 or mm. destiny, uh, Division 1. I keep saying that. That's but sorry, right. Division is forging its own destiny yeah, with a right. sequel. <laughs> so I'm all in, though. I totally stole that headline from the GameSpot <laughs> review. Shout out to GameSpot. Uh, I'm all in, though. I mean, having played this... Uh, compared to, like I said, compared to Anthem, there's no doubt in my mind that I want to play through this, that there's enough content just in the single player with some of the end game uh, that's gonna make it worth a purchase for me. I don't know, like, long term, nine months down the road, but they've shown me already that the game's tight enough and flows well enough that it's worth putting the 40 hours it's gonna take to complete the main story, drop into the end game. And I mean, like, the beta is what sold me. And I believe the people I played with. If it didn't get them fully in, they're all leaning towards playing now. So that to me is how you do a beta. Yeah. So.
1: so my question, I'm just curious because you said that you get to play as, you get to choose between three different characters when you get to the end game stuff. Yeah. So what specifically separates those characters? Because I mean, I yes, you say three people, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's differences, but I guess my question is just kind of like, if you could specify, like what what was the big difference?
0: Yeah. So I don't know if these classifications unlock only at the end of the game or if you unlock them as you level up but you get these things called specializations and they've showed us three one is a heavier guy gets a grenade launcher another one is a sniper and another one is more of a stealth based person who has a crossbow which is pretty badass addition to the division series and with that you get the weapon but then the characters also like the the grenade launcher guy gets a bulk he's a little gets a little more health boost and what is cool is that weapon you gain doesn't replace one of the three weapons you could already hold you now open up a fourth weapon slot Mm, so when you play the maxed out character they give you of course that weapon the characters also unlock um different pathways of upgrading your perks that you wouldn't get if you didn't choose that specialization so for example there is a turret you could get in the game you could toss it down and it shoots people when you unlock the grenade launcher guy you get the ability to have the turret like shoot out like a grenade or something like that whereas if i didn't choose that specialization i wouldn't have that i thought they were pretty unique compared to what you you could get if you didn't have a specialization but at the same time they don't all feel so different. I mean, like, sniper rifle versus crossbow, like, it's just your style. It has the
1: general movement of aiming. Uh, it's just different types of weapons, really. E- exactly. Yeah. So,
0: which I think is, in a weird way, good, because you're not going to get that feeling of, like, oh, I chose a hunter, but I wanted to choose, you know, like, in Destiny, oh, I want to choose a titan, and it really changes the gameplay. The one thing that is cool, if you go on Ubisoft's website, they've been crushing it lately, and the one thing I love is they talk about, because I was curious to have they've said all year one content is free like mission based content okay so why am i pay- why is there if you buy the deluxe edition why is there this season pass and they're really really as long as you f- seek it out everything you want to know about what's monetized and not is explained pretty well um so basically we've
1: come a long way in a year and a half right from, you know thanks battlefront 2 for d- planting the seed of microtransactions and loot crates
0: it definitely like was helpful and also in making the decision so you know, you're, like the pass gets you stuff earlier, but you still everyone's going else is gonna get it for free. Only seven days later, not too bad. Uh, the one thing that they do give you though is they they give you access to these specializations like right off the bat. Now a lot of people say, won't that give you some sort of competitive advantage? It does, but not to a point. It's not like you're boosting your character or leveling them up. It's giving me access to a grenade launcher or a sniper rifle a little earlier than if I put some time into the game. Doesn't seem game-breaking in any way, but if you're someone like me who doesn't know if you're going to max out a character, it almost seems kind of worth it to just get access to those specializations right away. But yeah, man, like, everything so far, I'm not saying it's game of the year or anything, but the yeah. beta felt... Well, I hope not.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh,
0: the beta felt super good, super clean. It ran pretty well. A couple lags in, like, chaotic places, yeah. but...
1: That, if- that's, that's, that's typical Ubisoft. That's- yeah. Ubisoft servers are notorious for just going down or having issues, so... I feel like that's kind of the weird pass that we always give Ubisoft.
0: Well, in, in this case, even if the gameplay just like the beta, all nothing I saw was game breaking. Nothing I saw took away from the experience. If you really, like, if that was the game and they just cut the beginning out, like I wouldn't be bothered if they made no changes. So shout out to them. Shout out to convincing me and a couple others to play the division. I'm super excited. I like I've said before, I love Division One. So the fact that two. Looks like it's going to be a good follow-up is exactly what I needed. Ending my year of disappointment so far. Hopefully, come on, you can do it. Year of disappointment. Dude, it's March. you got time. <laughs> You've got time. I know. Remember, we don't know what the hell is going
1: on the second half of the year, except and new Pokemon game.
0: Yes. yes. When we'll get to some Pokemon stuff later. Now, yes, we will. Now, you continued playing a game from last week, but also dove into some classics. So what's mm-hmm. been up with you?
1: So I, I've continued to play Trials, not as much as I said I thought I would. It's there's other things too. I will talk about the PlayStation Classic that I impulsively bought later in a second. But I also, for whatever reason, I just felt like it's so cool to see that so many people are trying to push games on the Switch. And sure, they're inferior technically, but I don't really care at that point. So while I've been playing the majority of my time with Trials Rising on the PlayStation Four, I bought the Switch version of it, and I gotta tell you, even though it's it feels a little weird because the triggers are supposed to be like pretty sensitive. And on the back tops of the Switch, I don't have a pro controller. And so it's a very snap-on, snap-off. And so that's like the one issue I have with playing Trials Rising on the Switch. But at the same time, they kind of work around that by allowing you to use the other analog stick as your gas and your brake. Mm. So once I try sort of figured out this new way to play Trials Rising, it's, it feels just the same way as it would with PlayStation 4. And it's just kind of nice to have. And I know we've discussed this. Um, from time to time, it's nice to just be able to pick that up while we're watching Raw or SmackDown, and I can just play that for, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes, just kind of, like, keeping myself in check of what's going on with the show. Whereas the first, what, four or five days I was playing it, like, it's in my room, isolated from everything else, can't really do anything else. And so it's kind of emphasizing, like, the power of the Switch being Mm -hmm. that hybrid where you can do whatever you want, really, anywhere. And so as far as progression, I'm just about as far... On the Switch version now as I am on PlayStation 4 and it's not that I've put in that much time into PS4 if you really talk about the, the cumulative hours I put in but I've also noticed that uh, from just looking at some reviews and impressions there's this point in when you get to like in the mid to high 40s levels of Trials Rising where you kind of hard stop and there's this grind you really have to sort of induce yourself with which for me I'm personally okay with because mm-hmm. Trials is all about rinse and repeat, do better next time, get a better score, get a better time. Um, but in this case, it's kind of weird. It feels like you get to this sort of hard stop where in the sense that I'm still going around and doing tracks and trying to better my time, but the contracts don't always generate the right ways, the best ways, so that I can go around and replay tracks with certain stipulations to get more experience. And there's sometimes where it it kind of halts at a weird point where I'm playing through missions, but the the meters only moving so far mm. and so i at least on the playstation 4 version i've gotten past that and i finally I have access to hard tracks which are usually for my expertise is where i cap at okay but it's still something that i'm going to continue to push forward with to see um how far and how well i can really do with those tracks especially as we mentioned last week with the university of trials which i will say off offhand it's probably the best tutorial i've ever seen in a game
0: Yeah, I mean, the fact that you continue to use it and get better at it, even though you're a four-time veteran of the series, says a lot. Yeah, it's the
1: same thing I said about—I brought up Celeste last time when we talked about the comparisons, where you go through these training sequences, and the instructor is always like, don't worry if you don't get it on the first try, which is very reminiscent of the loading screens that you get in Celeste, where it says— hey, don't worry about the death counter or don't worry about failing. That just means that next time you're going to improve and do better. Mm. It's like a weird comparison where...
0: No, it makes sense. In, in a
1: way, Trials Rising is kind of a platformer, even though it's really just an, on, it's an on-rail racer in a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that'll be something that I'm going to play on and off. It's kind of like my snack to like the main course of games that I play. And uh, well, speaking, I guess in that case, we'll just segue to the next thing I have. So... I told myself I wasn't going to buy the PlayStation Classic. It was too expensive. It wasn't worth it. And it it was very clear from reviews that it was rushed. It just wasn't ready. And they just threw games on there as they could. I caved because, of course, nobody really bought the PlayStation Classic. And at $50, so half off, I bought the PlayStation Classic and have dove into a few games so far. I can't sit here and say I've looked at every single thing in the catalog, but... Um, of the three games that I have jumped into so far, only one of them really performs well and it's Final Fantasy VII. Uh, the other two that I've jumped into were, were Rainbow Six and Cool Birders 2. And I think I'll give Cool Birders 2 a pass because I think just in the, in the sake of aging, that game just doesn't do well anyways. So it did, I don't think it mattered if that game was ported properly. It was always going to play like shit. And then, as I discussed with you, the if anybody ever wants to actually play the old school, like original Rainbow Six, just play it on PC because that's where the the meat of that series really begins and where the actual good version of that is. And I told you it's like to with with no dual analog sticks on these controllers, you. To aim up, you have to press L1 or R1, and then to aim down, you have to press R2. I mean, just kind of thinking of that is just weird, mm. and it, it really kind of breaks your brain, especially now, like releasing something like that at the end of what, 2018, where everybody's used to using the right analog stick to aim in a shooter. Mm. It it boggles my mind that games used to be thought of that way, and of course, I'm the one of the two of us that's going to play older stuff, but this was one that I, after 10 minutes, I couldn't fathom continuing on with this
0: well i think that's why like halo is always this revelation right because it was the first like first person shooter that really kind of clicked for people outside of first person shooters on pc i was gonna say
1: console console shooters
0: for sure of course yeah so real quick just want to go back to the switch thing uh i think trials rising for you and even for me now is we always talked about when the switch first came out that ability to play console games portably Well, first
1: it was if you ever got a game to release on switch you'd buy it
0: well (laughs) yeah i know know. what i'm getting at here is i've never had a game that was my junk food game come to switch like fifa came i didn't buy it because it was watered down right yeah yeah no frostbite engine you can't do that (laughs) um wwe's on there like there's a couple games that but they're not like my go-to games i think for both of us this is like the first time that a game that not that we would have bought on one system or the other but that was a game that we would sit down normally and just play, and it's like, oh, now I can play it on Switch too, and that's kind of interesting that we're finally seeing something like that. If I could have like a good FIFA on the Switch, like I think I would do the same thing you did. I would buy it. I would play it while we're like watching stuff on TV. It would be perfect. So it's nice to see that finally, although that's been a concept that we've talked about for so long, it's kind of yeah. coming. Someone good. finally figured it out. <laughs> exactly with a game that you know. Yeah, I was
1: gonna say. Well, in that sense, Trials has always been sort of like a known substance. Mm-hmm. So that makes for a good opportunity to do it.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And there's other games that have done it, say, like, we'll take a game like Child of Light. But Child of Light is in a game you sit down and you play while you're doing something else, right? It's usually some sort of sports or racing or puzzle game. And there's not many of those that I've played on Xbox or PlayStation that I've been asking for a duplicate version of on Switch. So that's interesting. Now, going back to this classic Cool Borders, I even remember, like, late, it was probably, like, PS2 was out, but I was still playing PlayStation 1. Cool Borders 3 played like shit then. So I can't imagine yeah. like was, I had
1: never played Cool Borders, that's the thing. Yeah, that's I went rough. into this totally blind.
0: It just feels off, which is why SSX is like the greatest game ever. But I mean the fact that we, the quality issues were always a concern with this, right? And like you mentioned, it seems to be that the games that they talked about. Are the games that they spent time on, and the games that they couldn't screw up? So you talk Final Fantasy VII. You also I, mentioned you can't mess that up. Yeah, and you also mentioned Metal Gear Solid. We're not, we can't mess that up either. So we'd assume yeah. that if you go play Metal Gear, I have Solid, no,
1: I have no verdict yet on Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. I'm sure someone's already said something, but I actually want to start playing that first.
0: So you played Final Fantasy VII. It's fine. We're gonna figure out about Metal Gear now. Other game, there's a bunch of other games on here, obviously. What is one of the other ones just randomly, not even based on quality, that kind of piques your interest? What's next? Syphon filters on there. So that's a big
1: one. Tekken 3, because when I originally had the PlayStation 1, I had Tekken 2. Ah, okay. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm good at fighting games or I was ever good at Tekken 2, because mm-hmm. I think I was maybe like 6 or 7 at the time. But that's those are two that are big. Uh, twisted, yeah, Twisted Metals on there. Uh, Resident Evil Director's Cut is on there which I have not beaten the first one I've played it haven't yeah. beaten it so that's another one to take a look at and then I think in terms of the RPGs that I haven't played um, Wild Arm- Arms is on there
0: is it the first or the second one it's the first one okay yeah, yeah. I have played about 10 hours of that. It's okay, fun. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, no, I mean, see, that's the thing that sucks about this whole classic situation and the way it went down is the games on here are actually pretty good. Like, I list, I want to play most of the games you just listed off. I'd like to play Final Fantasy VII. There's a couple duds, but it just sucks that they half-assed it. And there's a reason why, like you mentioned, you got it for $50. It's now being reported that as of today, uh, what is today's date? March 6th. March 6th. Yeah. That... It's now $40 at most retailers. Like, pretty soon... Meanwhile, you walk into a Target and you're still playing the NES or, or buying the NES a Classic or a Super Nintendo Classic for the same price, basically, it yeah. came out at.
1: Well, I guess the other thing there is, I mean, regardless of whether or not you can pick them up or not, you can tell when you turn on either of those systems, there's care put into the menus, the way you save games, the way that the games play still. Mm. And when you look at the way that Sony threw games onto this classic system, they didn't, it looks like they didn't care because that's the impression they really give off. And I've told you that, yes, it's like the American version of the PlayStation Classic or the North American version of the PlayStation Classic. And like, I turned on Rainbow Six and it says Sony Computer Entertainment Europe. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I get that. I get that it, it released globally. I get that uh, Japan has their own separate selective lineup with some overlap but at the same time you you kind of have to not just shove everything on there just yeah. to get it out because they announced this in maybe what September? No, they really no, they did in September because we had the episode that lost all the audio. And 3 months later they're like, "Okay, yep, it's out. Here's what it is." And I'm like, "Okay, this is not worth what you're selling it for."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the other thing I have to ask real quick, what does the menu look like?
1: Um it's it's very shitty. Really? <laughs> it's really it's um I'm trying to think of the best way to put it Think of if you've ever played the old Tomb Raider games where you have something, like, right in the front of, like, a circle, but you're facing the side of the circle. And as you – this is kind of weird, a weird way to describe it. But as you hit left or right, they just sort of like rotate around.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I know. So
1: you that. can kind of see all the other games around it, but it's – like, the background is, like, one color. So you can kind of tell that it just looks like shit. And they – they did some things that make sense. Like they pull up, they have the URL pages for the for the game guides in there, so that really you can actually cool. look at the stuff, which yeah. that makes sense. You kind of have to do that, but it's everything else is just it just looks
0: bad. Yeah, I mean, I will say though, at forty bucks, at forty bucks, I'd either- say. I mean, I would say get it. Yeah, I mean, we were talking at fifty. It was like two fifty a game. Like, okay, I can yeah. pay two dollars fifty. Yeah. At
1: the same time, though, if you think about it too, a lot of these games, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of these games when I boot them up, just don't play well.
0: Yeah. No. And that was what we talked about from day one when this was yeah. announced that this system was gonna. There is an issue. I should games. say, not the, not the aging aspect. I'm saying
1: the just getting it on there.
0: Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I was going to say, on top of that, though, I think your Cool Borders experience is a matter of just a game being old and terrible. But, you know, whatever. It's there for you guys now at 40 bucks. most retailers, if that's something you're looking for. Next up, we're going to jump into the news. Earlier, I talked about how great The Division looks like it's going to be. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have Anthem. That continues to make news for all the wrong reasons. What is the latest on Anthem? So apparently there's reports coming
1: out from last weekend that Anthem has started to shut off people's consoles on PlayStation 4. There's a few smaller reports on Xbox One, but it's nothing compared to the uh, the couple hundred of reports that have been seen on Reddit and around the internet of people running into issues that seem to happen whenever people try to close the application or if they play long enough. And it's that the system, it basically treats the PlayStation Four like you had pulled the power cord out, mm. and so if anybody's had this happen or the power has gone out, there's there's a sort of safe mode that you have to reboot it into, mm. or not not reinitialize because that deletes everything, but this is just it just adds to just the amount of crap that just keeps, seems to happen to Anthem, mm. and like sure it looks good, and but at the same time it's it's a game that's half finished, a game that is very live servicey where like, oh, hey, here's 90 days worth of content that you're going to have in the next three months. But mm-hmm. it's like, OK, but it's not here now. And the game just released. And it just continues to just add to just, I guess, the the bad track record EA's had for the past few years now, or maybe even longer than that, if you're really digging deep into it. And it's just unfortunate to see. And we've seen this with other live service games in the last few months with, you know, Fallout 76 is definitely a big reason for this as well, where Bethesda was like, hey, we need to do a live service game. But then they realized, oh, right, we haven't really ever done a live service game online like this. And you see what happens. It kind of feels like even though BioWare has the writing team, can nail the sci-fi setting and tone, the live games of service thing is so volatile that the second anything bad happens, everybody's going to just jump on it. And so this is just another upsetting thing to add to the pile of just anthem in general
0: yeah i mean in some cases weren't these crashes actually causing like full-on bricking or was that proved that that wasn't so they figured it out so i think the issue that people were
1: running into is that by playing anthem for some people it was causing a part of the ps4 to overheat and that's what was causing the shutdown jesus right and so there's been some investigation going on with EA and bioware and they found out that you just, you have to wait for it to cool down, and then you start the PlayStation and go through that whole reinitializing thing, yeah. sort of uh, resetting, putting it in safe mode. But even then, it's just like, man, how many more ways can you find to just have mistakes happen?
0: Yeah, and another thing here is that PlayStation, which they don't do often, is is going as far now that if you experience this bug, they will actually, if you open a case, will give you a refund for the game. And I mean that's saying a lot because PlayStation usually does not do digital refunds for the game and no the, they're
1: very strict about their refund policies
0: exactly so and this is what I mean it seems like this was the breaking point right anthem came out you mean the breaking point uh, oh. yeah. uh, it anthem came out and it was not received well there was loading issues and even from a gameplay perspective some people said it's fun a lot of people said it wasn't whatever you know that's like your typical game it's okay fine it's not playing well but then to get to the point where okay now you're actually like potentially ruining game consoles and not even allowing the people who want to play your game to play your game is a problem Uh, it also brought up and i know because we're in the kind of funny circles but i feel like this is a problem that is across all influencers when it comes to these types of games and a couple of the guys on kind of funny this week took a lot of like i would say shade for talking positively about anthem and not because they're not allowed to like the game. Of course, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But the problem now is with these games as services, influencers are given them for free, right? And so they'll jump in, they play, they go, eh, it's fine. I mean, like when it works, it's great. And they get in and they get out and then they go and talk about the game, not because they're paid to do so, but just because, oh yeah, my experience like wasn't incredible, but you know, it's a fun game. Like, And I, I think the problem is becoming that when you're given a game like this for free, it's a lot easier to overlook some of the fun that you're not having. Whereas if I'm paying $60 for this game, a game that I, you mentioned, 90 days of content, you're, it's a games as service. I'm expecting this long model, and now it's bricking my PS4. It just seems that like this is a new level of game review that maybe the big outlets and influencers of the world aren't the ones we should be turning to to review these types of games because when it's free for you it's okay to understand a crash here or there you jump in for 10 or 15 missions you get in you get out oh yeah it was a good time and then that's it whereas if i'm somebody you know spending my hard dollar on this i need it to work i don't want it to work i would need the game to work because this is I'm making a commitment for a long period of time. And, you know, people have come out and they spoke on behalf, but I think it's just interesting. It's not just with this. I mean, you saw it fall at 76. There was a select few people who got the game and were like, oh, yeah, no, I mean, it's not like it's clunky, but it's fun. It's totally fun. And, like, imagine being a regular consumer hearing that going, oh, well, it's fun. Okay spend my 60 and then you get you realize it's not like it's not a fallout game which is what people want yeah Yeah.
1: i think the problem here is that when you talk about the the influencer the influencer influence and i don't want to say giving it the benefit of the doubt but i guess kind of in their sense knowing that there's such a turnover with they with what they have to play they always have to say current so think of it example this way Anthem is done, you play through Anthem a little bit, yada, yada, yada. You like it for what you get, but you don't actually get the true experience of Anthem or a live service game because it's meant to be for the long haul, but you're playing it in the short term. Think of that. People are probably playing Devil May Cry 5 now because that's a big game that just came out, and that game is getting reviewed extremely well. And then from there, you have The Division 2. You have Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. You have Days Gone coming out next month. There's such a next thing, next thing, next thing that sometimes... I mean, maybe they themselves don't realize that, hey, there's so many people that are looking to spend all the time on this game. They're not doing what we're doing, and they don't have the disposable mm. income to shell out $60, $60 every, every week, sometimes twice a week, depending on what kind of games you're looking for and how often they release now. And I guess that's the issue here is that people – it feels like there's two very opposite ends of the spectrum. There's people that want to give it the benefit of the doubt. Because it is Bioware. They have a great mm. track record. They've released great games. Say what you want about Andromeda. We're not going to worry about that. But then you have the people over on this end that are like, well, I'm just going to – I'm not going to like it because it's EA. Mm. Like, I'm shit on it. EA sucks, all this crap. Microtransactions, loot boxes, games of service not working, all of that. And it's – there. it feels like there's no – Anthem has no medium. Mm. Nobody's here sitting saying, like, it's – I don't know the right way to put it, but, like, it's not – Something that, hey, it looks like right now for the long haul, it's going to be great, but you have to really be – you have to be transparent about that and to understand that, yeah, some people might like playing a live service game for the first week, week and a half or so. But who's to say that in three weeks, four weeks, a month, people are going to still be playing it? The problem is if you're not talking about it, that very much answers the question. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the issue here is that influencers are just – and it's weird to kind of like take a jab at it, but – they're in a position where you can't really give a game like this justice.
0: Well, and that's the thing is, is when I look at it, fine, you're having fun with it. You should be smart enough or at least aware enough as an influencer to know your audience and understand that, say, I'm actually having a lot of fun with Anthem, but would I buy this game? absolutely not right like it's possible it's like when you see a game get a seven on ign it's like hey i had fun with it you might not like you take that review score and you run with it and you know ign did its due diligence and some of these in- games fought and gave this game horrible ratings and if you were basing your purchase on that you're not gonna buy the game but for influencers they're not really coming out with the caveat of saying oh man like this game's super fun and then they just they go on to the next thing it's like well, wait hold on pause Is it super fun for everybody? Like, you know, I mean, again, using kind of funny as an example, going to the situation where they made light of the the crashing situation, saying that, you know, this happens to games all the time. No,
1: it doesn't. First of all, it
0: doesn't. So that was wrong. (laughs) But but second of all, it's like, yeah, but whether or not you're enjoying the game, isn't it your duty? I understand, like, they signed up for this, and I'm going to put. I'm going to put some responsibility. It is your responsibility to that, although that might bo- not bother you because the game's free, you should immediately be on the side of, I probably wouldn't recommend somebody buy this game because although I'm playing it for free and having a good time, the fact that it's crashing is not okay. Like w- It's almost like they're trying to take the the 5% of fun they're having, and that's all that matters to them, and they can dismiss everything else. and Realize you're talking to a bunch of... People from the ages of 10 to 40, probably, (laughs) like you said, disposable income isn't a thing. And it's not so much Anthem's fault. You've seen it with Fallout, and you're going to see it with Division, and you're going to see it with Destiny 3. And it's always going to be an issue. I just hope that we start to, the conversation now is being had with Anthem, that the game can play well when it works, but that doesn't mean you should be sitting there not like dismissing the – it feels bl- like you're blind. You don't know who you're talking to. You're not sitting in a room full of game devs being like, "Oh yes, that Anthem game plays so well. It's like, no, you're talking to the poor guy on the street who can only afford one game. Don't tell him to buy that game. No. Somebody bought that game because no. you go
1: said – Go buy Gotta War. <laughs>
0: exactly. Somebody – think about it. Somebody definitely bought that game because their source has always been – kind of funny or easy allies or what's good and now they're stuck with a heap of trash that they wasted 60 dollars on it's unfortunate also ea though at this case like this is unacceptable like you've crossed a line right like andromeda's like man facial expressions suck there's a good game here fixed it okay it's a single player experience it works now go have fun this is just like what do you why how? How is this even allowed? Like there's gotta be some governing video game board who like punishes you for like releasing content like this. It's unbelievable. Like you're almost at a point where I would say, like, I'm getting extremist here, right? But like if you're Sony Xbox, at what point do you just go, we're pulling this game off our stores? We're not giving you this platform to sell this game anymore. You're bricking systems. You're, you haven't followed up on any of the promises that you said this game. Sure, you can hover around and shoot this. Things. Side note, did you hear the news that came out today about the leveling system and the guns?
1: Yes, I did hear about it. So apparently there's a level one gun in Anthem that is, a, a, apparently, compared to all other weapons, the most powerful thing in the game. Which is, I don't under... This game obviously wasn't ready when it came out. And I, I want to just go back to what we were saying about games crashing. Yes, in this day and age, if a game is going to crash, it's going to crash early in its release just because you have to update it and figure out what the issues are no game i've ever played has shut off my playstation yeah that's no bad. game i've ever played has ever shut off my xbox a game might freeze games freeze all the time that is something that you have no choice but to go ahead and pull the plug that's a good point. but this one is very much in the case of like no you are playing oh nope systems just like yeah screw it i don't want to do it and i guess that's the worrisome thing too like i mentioned it's like it's like they're like oh there's a part of the playstation that's overheating i'm like I don't like that. That's – that honestly – I mean, again, a little extremist. That could be borderline dangerous. Yeah. Like if you're really thinking about that too. And it's just the – and the other thing I want to talk about too, just bring up because you mentioned the the, the paying for it stuff. There was a big thing that I read about – it was off IGN from Dan Stapleton. And it was people complaining about like, oh, why would you give Crackdown a five? It was free on Game Pass. And he very much did this thing where it was – we don't judge our scores off of pricing. Mm-hmm. Honestly, in that case, if they were judging it off of pricing, Anthem would have gotten like a fucking three. And let's be honest. And I think they got like a six or something. And yeah. it's very much the thing there. It's like you just want to take the the product and critically analyze it, and respect the readers enough to be to understand. Okay, this is what is good. This is what's bad. Do I personally feel it's worth spending the money on it? And that. I like that. That was a good read that I had myself, and it makes sense. It's like – and the same thing there with Crackdown 3. If Crackdown 3 was only full price, it wouldn't get a 3. It still got the 5, and it's just the thing of look at the art and then make your choice.
0: Well, think about my review of Crackdown. I was like, I'm having fun because it was because free, it was free but then i quickly followed that up with like but no one should really play this game it's not actually good like it's just and i think it's it's just one of those things like again with crackdown though it is easy it would be easy for me to say like oh it's got these issues but whatever it was free it's also like with these influencers it's like oh yeah anthem's fun it's gonna all right i'm gonna go play the other free games i got it's like what? yeah it's
1: very much there there's if you can find the line between giving your personal impressions critically analyzing something with the few objective parts that you can with all of your subjective sort of categories, and then also still respect the the intelligence of the people listening or reading your stuff, I think you can find that balance. If it's like, hey, you like this, you like that, you like all these things about it. It's like me here, put it this way, me as an example. I'm like, Assassin's Creed 3 is a good gameplay game, but if you want story, you want a character... You probably shouldn't buy it if you're an Assassin's Creed fan. Yeah, totally buy it because it has all the stuff that you're looking for. But if you're looking for everything that's great about the American Revolution, this is not the game because it downgrades every historical yeah. character. It just as an example to throw in there. And that's the same thing here with Anthem, where people are like, yeah, you know, it's fun for the ten hours I play of it. And this game isn't meant to be played for just ten hours. That's the problem.
0: Well, and it's fine to like it. Like there is somebody yeah. out there where it's a ten out of ten for them, and their system's not getting turned off. Good for them, you know what I mean. It's House like, isn't on fire but, from the PlayStation blowing up. <laughs> that influence, that person is not an influencer. Yeah. There is some f- person, you know. You have an obligation, and I just think it was handled poorly. Now, don't get me wrong; the, the people addressed the situation, and the people spoke, and there will be clear clarity going forward, which is great. Uh, the one thing about the gun, though, I guess the problem is in the game is that the enemy's level based on the gun you're holding. So, like, by having, like, a level 47 legendary gun, the enemies scale to you having that gun. So you're better off just getting a level, like, a really strong level 1 gun that's really good, and then the enemies stay at that um, scale. It's broken as all hell, man. The, the game's... It's real bad. I hope to God I'm not having these talks about Division 2, but uh, I have a strong feeling I won't be. Based on your open beta impressions, you should be fine. Yeah, I think we're okay. Um, So... I'm sure there'll be more Anthem news. I really hope not. I'm kind of tired of talking about it. Yeah. Uh,
1: the only thing I'd be okay with is if we get to May. And they're like, oh, hey, everything's fixed. Dude. And then I'd sit there and be like, maybe I will spend 60
0: bucks on it. Exactly. I've talked about this before. I'm not shutting the game out, but right now it's the Grinch. I'm yeah, gonna,
1: we're definitely not.
0: 39 and a half inch polar or whatever.
1: Uh, the not opposite of recommendations, we would not tell anybody here to buy them. No, definitely not.
0: So the next story I want to talk about, but I feel like we've gone over this a few times, but now we're getting closer to when this is going to happen. So the Microsoft Xbox diskless system, the Xbox One, is rumored to be coming out as soon as May. They're calling it Maverick. Um, which, you know, over the times we've talked about this, it's been rumored to be the next gen. It's rumored to be sometime this gen. We don't know. So this is the first time that a a leak has come out. That's kind of no price, no anything, but it will be no, no, no disc drive. Sorry. No disc drive. Now that it is so close, we've talked about, would we want this in the future? We've never talked about, would you want this tomorrow? And so now, my real question to you is: like, we're talking about an Xbox that you can get right now, no disc drive. Is this something that people are ready for? That you're ready for? Like, tomorrow? Like, if this happened tomorrow, is it a- is it a good move?
1: I have two words for you: Game Pass. That's yeah. exactly why they're doing it. You I stole mean, the you words st- out of my mouth. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that's the big thing here is that it, it looks like there. There's mixed messaging here, but there's been rumors floating around that. Microsoft is trying to get Game Pass wherever they can. And it feels like they're trying to sort of find that sort of hybrid between we still want to sell hardware, but our subscription services, sort of like -like, Netflix-y-like, is what we're trying to push our revenue in. And it's, again, it's the forward thinking. It's the almost radical decisions that they're making. Like, we all thought it was crazy, happy, but crazy that they did the backwards compatibility. Now look at it. There's original compatibility. There's... Uh, there's game pass there's apparently going to be a streaming box releasing alongside a traditional console next year Mm. there's the xbox one x there's they completely went away with the original model of the xbox one and now just have the s and the x uh connect is dead thank god and you you see just this push oh and the financing plan that they have Mm -hmm. for the the system xbox live and game pass you see this push where Microsoft is not thinking in a 2019 mindset. They're thinking in a 2023, 2024. So that way, when push comes to shove at that time, they're just ready and mm-hmm. everything, the tools are all set and the wheels are all set in motion. And I and I remember, I don't know how I remember this, but this was on one of our very early episodes where I posed a question to you. Would Sony ever consider releasing a system that had no disk drive for $100 less. And you said something of like, like that's crazy. Retailers would hate that. But at the same time, like I get that point. At the same time, I've been in a GameStop recently, and there is a whole section in each wall now where it's just digital codes that you can buy. And the, the retail forward thinking is a different discussion here. But I think in this climate now, I wouldn't be surprised. And honestly, I think it's not a bad idea.
0: So here's the thing. If Sony did it, I still think that's suicidal because they have no service that is ready. I mean, PlayStation Now is not great. I don't care that they offer a subscription. It's way too expensive. And you're still requiring people to have big hard drives if yeah. they want. And you
1: still can't do PS3 games. Exactly. Yeah, PS2 and PS4 you can download.
0: But like you are, it's still too expensive, like I mentioned. And the idea of downloading all your new games is still hard on... Space. It still takes up a ton of space. I mean, uh our our, like I mention them every week, but our buddy Pat was just talking to me the other day being like, I think I need to get a hard drive because I'm digital only now and I can't fit all my games. So Sony's not in a position to do this, but I've literally in the last probably month talked to like two or three people. I'm like, I think it's worth buying an Xbox strictly to have Game Pass and nothing else. Literally you pay Yeah,
1: because I don't think you need online to have uh you don't i don't think no because i did buy it for a little while you don't need online to have game
0: pass which would make sense i guess because some of the games aren't yeah but like right now you're looking you, you buy your system and you're essentially paying 120 bucks for the year
1: and you have access to all of these games you're
0: starting with a library of like 50 games and then on top of that you got gears coming out you got halo coming out I mean, I know it sucks, but you had Crackdown, you got State of Decay, you got Forza. Like, you already are... Like It'd be like if I said to you, now, I know the game, they're equal caliber, but it's their, you know, their ideal games that you'd want to play. Then think if I said, hey, you could buy a PlayStation right now for 250 bucks. And for another $120, I will give you Days Gone, God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Spider-Man. You'd be like, well, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to do that, right? Like, not that the games I mentioned for Xbox are that caliper, but you're getting the best of the system. Mm-hmm. And you were going to buy two of those games, right? If you bought a new console today, you're going to buy two games.
1: Yeah, and remember that for what we're thinking, 2023, think of all of the studios Xbox picked up. They're going to have games that are and just all coming, set and ready, and they're all first party, and they're all going to be coming to Game Pass.
0: And you figure the whole point here, obviously, is that being discless, there will be it'll be cheaper, right? So right now, you could get an Xbox One S for one <coughs> ninety nine ninety nine, something yeah, like well, that.
1: well, and deals, you can definitely get it for one ninety nine. I think. Uh, they they try to push the one terabyte system, so I wanna say like two forty nine.
0: Oh, yeah. Two ninety nine so, if it's bundled. So you figure a cheaper a disco system would be I would say somewhere in the one ninety nine, one forty nine yeah. ninety nine region?
1: I'd say it probably I would lean towards starting at one ninety nine.
0: And there you go. So then for, for three twenty. Yeah. And then yeah. Black
1: Friday it's like one thirty.
0: Exactly. And so you have you have everything you need. Like if you want Gears later, like I, if you want to buy Gears of War, there's literally no reason not to just buy an Xbox now, get the Game Pass, play a bunch of games for a couple months. Yeah, I think
1: you have access to every Gears game if you buy Game Pass.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's it's I don't know. It it's this is the time to do it. And if, I mean, I think even six months ago, I would have said we're still not ready. People are afraid of digital. I mean, even people I know now still collect physical games, but the idea of Getting a system, it's almost like without the classic, it's like if you're buying like an Xbox Classic, you buy the thing and you have all the games on it. That's incredible. Like we're at that point, and the fact that they've they've kept this system, we're gonna get to a second about another game that's coming to Game Pass like now that's only three months old. That's a pretty solid game. It's gonna be there for you to play. So I'm curious if it happens. I, I'm at the point where I wouldn't mind even selling my uh, 1s and going with the discless one just to save myself some money. Uh, and I really hope that's like an option going forward. But yeah, man, there's no reason uh, not not to jump on this, especially if you're going to use it as a secondary console. The system plus the price of two games, and you're set for the next probably two years. So let's see if it actually comes that this rumor is real. Uh, but other than that, I'm all in on it. So, uh, And then the next little bits of news here, nothing... Big, nothing that's going to invoke too much conversation. Uh, I'm going to call them the add-ons. I'm not going to have a noise for it yet because I don't know if it's going to be a weekly thing. Little bits and pieces of news that I'd like to share with everybody. First one I got here, Beat Saber, the greatest game of all time in VR, uh, is finally for PlayStation getting some new DLC. Uh, It looks like three packs from the screenshot we've seen. We don't know how many songs, but it's rolling out. Get new DLC, March 14th. Long time coming. Really stoked about that. Next thing I got here is uh, the egregious news of the week. The game Dead or Alive, the fighting game, is getting a $93 season pass. What the fuck? Uh, You basically get two new characters and 63 costumes for all the characters.
1: Uh, Missed one there. Should have been 69 free costumes. It would have been better. Nice. Double nice, actually.
0: Here's the thing about this that's confusing for me. All right. So the characters would then come out to be about $15 a piece with a dollar per costume. When I buy a season pass, I don't expect to pay face value for everything. Like, to me, a dollar sounds about right for a costume, maybe a maybe dollar fifty, and fifteen dollars for a new character sounds like what you would pay individually for a character. So why, would I buy the season pass, am I theoretically paying exactly what I would hope to pay for one-offs? I think something like this is egregious. Sound. Give me all of it if I decide to buy the season pass. Give me it for fifty dollars. Yeah. And if I don't want it, then I can choose to spend fifty dollars and get the twenty costumes I want and the two. This is stupid.
1: Yeah, it's a weird pricing too. Ninety three dollars. Yeah. It looks like they just took what they thought every price was going to be for it and was just like, oh, just. Just throw it together. It like whatever.
0: Like, that's not the point. Like the point of the season pass is like, we're going to release $100 of yeah. content, but we're going to let you buy it all now for yeah. $60. And you're like, okay. Spider-Man
1: DLC, each episode was $10, but you could buy it all for $25. Exactly. Save Makes yourself. sense.
0: Save yourself some money. So, uh, and the funny joke that I saw, I don't remember which website it was. I can't give them credit. But they said, uh, you know approximately $63 on costumes. That's a lot of money for what's probably going to be a little bit of costume if you know anything about Dead or Alive. right? <laughs> so that's uh, that's another little piece of news there. We hinted at this one. Just Cause 4 came out three months ago is coming to Game Pass. So if you owned Game Pass, Just Cause 4, Halo, Forza. There you go. 120 bucks. Those so three games worth that to you. That to me is pretty awesome. I'm playing it. I'm definitely downloading it at least. I've never played a Just Cause game. So... Do you think though, like, what does this mean? Bad sales? Uh, I oh, yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Well, that that was the big thing on reviews. It was just, it was more Just Cause 3. Mm-hmm. The problem is, if you just do just more, just, I'm going to say Just Cause. Just because you do just.
0: <laughs> Hold on. I got it. I get it.
1: Just because you make the same game twice, basically, doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I definitely want to give this a shot. I've never, never played yeah. one, so. Free for me. I'm a Game Pass. Yeah, I was going
1: to make a back joke about why Just Cause just got on Game Pass, but I'm not going to say it.
0: All right. We're holding off on that one. Uh, the next one is Devil May Cry 5. It is The review scores are rolling in, and my god, Capcom continues to be on a roll. Look, a Metacritic score last I checked sitting in the high 80s. Uh, people are saying best in the series. Now, I think we've talked about it in the past. My only experience with DMC is DMC, the remake. Uh, but damn, if the game's this good, it's going to be hard not giving this a playthrough.
1: Yeah, it makes me, it, it anything like this, it always makes me personally want to go back and play older games or older games in the series more specifically, but yeah, I definitely want to just, just kind of like look at it and just see what it's like, and especially just remembering, going back and actually listening to our, what was it, our Microsoft E3 show, I totally got the names wrong. I was like, oh, that's Dante. I was like, nope, that's Virgil. I was like, oh, shit. All right, well, lore-wise, I don't know what the hell's going on, but the gameplay looks a lot like a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're talking nines, 9.5, out of 5s.
1: GameRank gave it 5 out of 5. What's up?
0: There you go. So I think, being a Bayonetta guy, I think it's going to be one of those games that seems like Resident Evil. It's going to be on a lot of people's end-of-the-year list at this point. Going to have to give it a go. I don't know when. It might be a year-end kind of discounted purchase for me, but I'm definitely intrigued now another piece of news here game informer had uh, a a feature on control the game from remedy we saw e3 a few years ago the interesting thing about this is that it was very casually mentioned but they're like yeah uh control new remedy game scheduled for release this summer looks really good and everyone's like wait did you just say this summer like that's not official no one said that before uh, but if that's the case, what a release window for that game. I think that's awesome. I'm looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, that's sort of the the early stages of that wide open second half of the year. Um, another thing, too, that also I saw, it wasn't posted by Game Informer because they're covering the Outer Worlds right now, is that uh, Steam accidentally put up the date. They put up a date for the Outer Worlds. is like August like 8th or the 3rd, but that's another game, too, that perfect for the summer Mm -hmm. it's a perfect time to just like not a lot of games coming out big maybe not big i don't know exactly the 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 size scope and scale of it but that's one where it's hey i can just chill out and just play that for a little bit and not worry about the next big thing coming out
0: yeah outer worlds is like the fallout style yeah
1: it's from obsidian obsidian yes Mm -hmm.
0: so yeah i mean control you got you got outer worlds and then the only other game would be I think Mario Maker 2 is coming out in that same yes. time frame. Yeah, but,
1: and we don't have a release date yet for Link's Awakening Remake.
0: Okay, but none of those games, for the most part, are going to steal from each other. Like, if you're playing all three, it's probably not going to stop you from playing one of the others. But Control, again, was a game I was super hyped for seeing after. And if it's going to fall in that nice summer window, give me a weird, trippy-ass game to play in the summer. That's exciting if it's if it holds. You never know with these types of leaks and the last thing we have here is, you know, we do the freebies every month. It seems like now, I don't know, maybe we include Nintendo, although they tend to release a little bit later than the other two. Well,
1: just remember, we have to hit full console neutral status every episode. We do. So if there's one way to kind of sneak it in, it's the segment.
0: No, and the games uh, this month for if you have the online service, usually against the classics, you're getting Kid Icarus and Star Tropics. <laughs> I'm interested in Kid Icarus. Uh, playing it on my Switch is a lot easier than playing it on like the, the classic system, honestly. The one thing I'm jealous of, uh, Japan is getting Fire Emblem, the original. Mm. And that's what I want to play. That's pretty sweet. So, unfortunately, I don't live in Japan, and I'm not going to get Fire Emblem. So that's sad,
1: but dude, you want to watch Tokyo Drift again? I mean, <laughs> hey,
0: hey. So there you go. There's your free Switch games if you have that online service. Um, in all fairness, I'm I'm only paying attention because I own I have the online now. I did not previously. Yeah. And that's like a quick run through of quick bits of news, little things, not you know huge controversial topics sparking conversation as our previous two things. Yeah. But they're there to keep you updated and everything. But uh, I think that's it. I think that's gonna wrap up the week, this week. Before we go, we'll do recommendations as we always do. Uh, CJ, do you have any recommendations for the faithful listeners?
1: I do. Back on another article that I caught up on a couple days ago. So I talked about Dan Stapleton's article about pricing shouldn't justify or alter review scores. And there was a really good article that I saw that I think is still being worked on a little bit from uh, Mike Drucker. He used to work at IGN. He's a big fan. He's, He's good friends with a lot of the KF guys. And he wrote something on VG247 that says, hey, newsflash everybody, no one's making you buy Anthem. And it's not, it, there's, a, there's a bigger picture to it. And eight, uh, Anthem's really just sort of the, the example here is that with, with the world the way it is now with social media and being connected and always hearing opinions and impressions and everything that we just discussed prior is that there, the, the, the strength of FOMO Fear of missing out is extremely strong now, and it it makes sense when he sort of broke it down and he made he kind of made fun of that chart that shows like when you can get Anthem early, like the Origins access and all of those. And he's saying that nobody, you, why should you pay full price or something if you don't want to play it? Yeah, you might have friends that are playing Anthem. Like example for you, like maybe people are going to play the Division Two or not play with you. Is that like hey, at the same after he got through each point, the same thing got brought up. He's like no one like you are totally okay with not buying this game it is not the end of the world and so i think that's a good read not just from the sense of games or live service games in general but the other thing that i took from it too was that you know i had discussed earlier when we when we intro the episode i don't plan on seeing captain marvel opening weekend that's perfectly fine i can see it a week after i can see it two weeks after And I think it's just kind of a a good read with a bigger picture if you really look into it.
0: See, and I mean, I don't—Mike Drucker is definitely the type of guy who would be in this type of headspace, and I understand that. Yeah. But FOMO is not just like a thing that people say that it should be taken lightly. Like, in a weird way, it is kind of more of a mental—I wouldn't go as far as saying disorder— but it's a strong force. Yeah. Like, I deal with it daily, not just in video games. Well, I think it movies. complements
1: the state that we're all in now with just being connected all the time. Yeah, I think that's the big part of it.
0: And wanting to be part of that zeitgeist, uh, I think. But it's a lot easier to say, like, you don't have to go play Devil May Cry 5 just because... I'm like, yeah, you're right, I don't, but I want to. And it's like, at what point are you telling me not to do the things I want Compared to not telling me to do the things I think I want, if that makes sense. It's yeah. it's really slippery yeah. slope to walk well, go- down. Hey,
1: hold on. Well, no, I'm not saying you're wrong. Hold on. It goes back to that line that I was saying of like, hey, here's my impressions, reviews of something, but on this side, I respect your intelligence. If you like these things, do totally go for it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I guess it's different though, because like, for example, Resident Evil 2. That is a game that I've thought about multiple times since it's released. I know it's not for me. But I wanna be part of that conversation. I wanna try it out. And I haven't bought it because I have like a little self-control and the zeitgeist has kind of died down on it. Yeah. But it's like it's tough. Like video games is definitely a lot easier. like you were mentioning the movie example of like, well, I don't gotta go this way. I can go whenever. Whereas like I'm the type of person who I need to see it like right away or else I'm gonna be freaking out. And it is a good article to in certain times you're right. You don't always need to be that. But for some people, like yeah. that is a an overwhelming force that is really hard to kick. Like yeah. I've had that, like, without realizing it, just in every aspect of my life for years. Times where I'm just like, Well, I'm not gonna do this thing and then three people are like, We're gonna do that thing. I'm like, Alright, okay, okay, I'll do that thing. Yeah. And it's it sucks, but yeah, I guess sometimes with stuff like that is I realize I have it. Maybe there's a lot of people out there. Who will read his article and say, like, oh shoot, like maybe that's the realization. So it is good. He's always been really good on talking. Like his articles are interesting. He's funny, he's a comedian, but he also is like super ingrained in like the mental health conversation. So he's a smart writer in that sense. He kind of knows what he's getting into. So I'm curious to see if like anyone reads that not thinking they're a FOMO person and then coming out of that article saying yeah. like...
1: Yeah, sort of having that epiphany. Yeah, Realizing exactly. that. Yeah, I mean, that happened to me. We'll, we'll jump off this in a second. That happened to me when I... I remember I started working at GameStop right before the holiday season in 2015. And it was like, I bought Call of Duty. I bought Halo 5. I bought Fallout. I bought Star Wars Battlefront. No, the first Star Wars Battlefront. And I was like, I feel like I need to play these... Not just in the sense of, like, I'm talking to people about all this stuff because I'm working there, but it was like, I should be playing all these because that's all I'm around right now. And I feel like if I'm not part of the current discussion of new releases, there's an issue there. Mm -hmm. So I totally get where that part of the article comes from.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I think it'd be worth reading for sure. And like I said, Drucker's awesome. So support his work regardless. Uh, The one thing I'm going to recommend, actually, so I can't claim to be a fan of their podcast themselves, but they're a great group of people called Critical Role. They do a long-running podcast that is about Dungeons & Dragons. They play Dungeons & Dragons D&D live on the air. They do voices, theme music, all this awesome stuff. So the only reason I bring them up is they started a Kickstarter to fund an animated series. It was. Uh, I think the goal is like eight hundred thousand or something. They crushed that. They're gonna get a an animated short. They're now getting an animated series. Yada yada. Right. What I'm here to recommend to you, though, because you know jumping into D and D is hard. You know, it's not something that I feel like you can just start listening to. You're gonna have to go back listen to the whole journey from the beginning. What I will recommend, though, is they teamed up with Kind of Funny for one episode. They did a Critical Role slash Kind of Funny. They played a very small 45-minute to an hour-and-a-half campaign with Nick, Greg, Tim, and it is definitely the beginner's version of D&D. Some hilarity ensues. I think you should check that out, one, because it's hilarious, and two, it's an introduction into D&D. Maybe that convinces you to dive into Critical Role, check out their stuff, move forward. So that's my recommendation for the week. And before we go, one hot piece of breaking news we call him Pat. At this point, he's like the third host of the podcast, even though he's never been here. He, we got breaking updates, has finally, after weeks of trial and error, placed first in Tetris 99. Big congratulations to him.
1: Yeah, well, it took him long enough. He's got to get ready for that big event this weekend. He has to get that uh, $10 that, in eShop credit.
0: That sweet $10. So, shout out to him. What a great way to end the episode. Thanks for joining us. For episode 81 of Console Neutral, I've been one of your hosts, John Conte, joined as always by...
1: CJ Schumer on the other end. We'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Take care, everybody.